Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for hour number seven of our 24 hours straight of recording this. Are you getting tired yet, Ben? I am. Never. Uh, we, we will we will do this for eight days straight. Nine days, eight and a half, somewhere around there. <laughs> Lots of days. <laughs> We're going to release these all back to back. Everybody stay up with us. But uh we are on episode number seven of 24, season one, titled 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, I don't know about you, we're going to have a hard time telling these episodes apart by the end of the season just by the titles <laughs> of them. We got some notes to go along with it. Uh, that one <laughs> took place in the day of the California presidential primary. That one. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. And it's the longest day uh, of his life. So that one too. So far. That's so going to have to be uh, <laughs> changed later on. Uh, let's get into it. My name is Colin, and people be- break out of prison all the time. And my name is Ben, and you look handsome. Presidential. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no You're president welcome. to Canada, but I'll take it. <laughs> this is the episode that I've been waiting for. This is the one that I always remembered really hooked me. Like, I was watching the show every week, uh, you know, when this originally came out. Uh, I was into it. Uh, but when this episode aired, I'm like, okay, they really got something that like, I've never seen something like this on TV before. Uh, it's just a crazy episode. There's so much going on. Uh, we're getting that much closer to the culmination <laughs> of the inauguration. Uh, what are, what are you going to call the breakfast? We're getting so close to breakfast. Mm, wow. Breakfast. It's always exciting. That pre-breakfast <laughs> routine people go through of escaping from prisons and getting dressed and shooting their ex-mistresses. All the fun stuff. Um, any memories of watching this one? I mean, I think you've sort of alluded to this whole season as I, I have. There's that moment where you became a big fan. This was it for me. Was this the one for you or is it still to come? I think I still probably stand by. I think the plane at the beginning of the first episode was. I, I don't think there was a moment really. So I was kind of hooked from the beginning. But, um, I mean, this episode has got, you know, arguably the whole... You know, we talked a lot about how this show was renowned for killing off people without warning and things like that. Like a lot of shows are, you know, we're used to that now on TV. Like this kind of had that moment at the end where you thought they had done it. Um, so, yeah, th- this is a great episode. There's a lot going on with the tension and everything with it. Um, and I think I, I do remember vividly this whole Jack sort of being controlled by Gaines storyline, which is really intriguing and everything. And I was actually thinking a lot about it during this episode is that, we don't often get like 
without going into too much spoiler territory, like we don't really get a lot of like Jack's Jack from this point on, right? Whereas like this is the season where mm. kind of Jack can be manipulated a lot more than he can be in other seasons. So I kind of like this. I kind of like going back to this moment where Jack's so much more vulnerable and, you know, w- without a few flashes of what we're going to get, we haven't really seen hard-ass Jack and we will in this season. We already have a few moments, but... I like kind of mixing that up and going back to the beginning. I know you've said a few times in this season, Jack's almost a different character. And I like that though. I like kind of having this moment because we're going to get so used to Jack just being Jack from, you know, season two onwards. So um, this whole episode in general has got a lot going for it. Um, might be jumping the gun here by saying this might be the best episode of the season so far. So yeah, um, yeah this, this episode flew by so quick, just so enjoyable. Although I'm yeah, sad that I, we I, don't have Janet. So Oh, no, Janet. Uh, we do get Alan York, though, Yeah. Uh, as the last episode ended. Or, sorry, not Alan York. Can we just give him a new name? Alan Fork, maybe? Alan Fork. A uh, bit, bit more Palmer drama. <laughs> Palmer drama. Uh, yeah. Full swing in this episode. Yep. Uh, we get, uh, I guess, more of the, the teases of Sherry going bad, if oh. you even want to call it that. And I we find Sherry out who's good. evil in CTU. Well, part one of 87. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Milo. Oh, what a man. <laughs> what a man. Uh, but there's so much going on in this episode. And uh, last week, I was saying I was caught off guard with how much I liked the episode because it was one of those, almost like the low, okay, we need to keep our budget down this week, guys. we got to save a bunch for next week. So let's just have people walking around a hospital or uh, digging a hole, you know, whatever it's going to take. But like this one's, it, it, this almost feels like, you know, the closing act you get, uh, I, I don't remember next week. We'll have to wait till we get there because I feel like season one might be a little bit different because everything did build towards the breakfast and the assassination attempt that's going to be coming, which they thought would have been potentially at the halfway point of the season, or maybe that would have been the end for them. So I don't know if we're going to get that typical eight episode break. This to me felt like that eight episode conclusion. Oh, we're about to transition to the next one. And I think this is what was so great about watching this for the first time is you had no idea what was happening with this show. Um, and I think at the end of the day, though, like, okay, there's going to be 24 episodes, each one's an hour. But, like, and, yeah, it's more of a case of next week is that, like, you, you kind of get to a point, like, okay, well, what can they do from here? Like, it's kind of like mm-hmm. you, you get used to the format of 24 after a couple of seasons. Like, as we've talked about, like, you've got part one baddie, part two baddie, then you're going to get the big, big baddie. And like things like that, but you don't, you aren't aware of that. You think Gaines is the big bad of this season. You don't know what's going to happen. So like, I kind of like this setup and it's kind of, it's intriguing that you get this. And I remember watching this for the first time. And that's what I think really hooked you into it. Cause you're like, well, what more can they do? And whereas in later seasons, it definitely wanes. You kind of like, oh, and I don't mean that by a certain wane. Um, it's like, <laughs> Poor you know, guy. You, you're kind of like, fuck, they've really blown their wad right now. Like, what are they going to do for the final five hours? Whereas, like, I still think that this is what makes this season so great. It just builds and builds and builds. We get that really for the first five seasons. That Just nothing really gets a bit over the, like, oh, okay, like, here we go again. Um, so yeah, I, I think like that's where this episode can really accelerate that because you, particularly the way this ends, uh, you're like, wow, okay, what's happening here? Like, bring it on. Like I want, I, you know, and we're really getting those episodes now, aren't we? It's not just simply a case mm-hmm. of Janet, it might be alive. <laughs> 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 Hashtag rip Janet. I'm still sad about Janet. Uh, the episode starts off here with our would be maybe assassin, 
in the most unrealistic identity theft since Die Another Day, or I guess this precedes Die Another Day, but they make it a little bit more realistic here because he at least has to dye his hair and put in contact lenses. Everything else, perfect copy. Uh, Jack, uh, of course, is now being controlled by Gaines, and uh, this moment really made me uh, jump for a minute where the there's the cops there, um, and uh, Gaines is basically telling him, it's like, don't uh, don't say anything to the cops or whatever, as Jack's sort of looking at him. Like, like there's so much tension here that mm. I don't remember this Jack being kidnapped, maybe because we're so used to the Jack later on, who always has everything under control, always knows exactly what he's doing, to go back and have this Jack that he's, he's very on edge. Like, what is he going to do? And throughout this entire episode, Jack's making the wrong choices. He's, he's a bad liar at times. Uh, it's great. Milo's working on the, the key card here. He's decoded the fact that you know, he has something to do with a surgeon and plastic surgeon, of course. And uh, he's going to have this figured out. Uh, we get a lot of stuff happening in the opening of the episode here. Keith's out for a run. Uh, <laughs> Good on you, Keith. Getting out there. Keeping you know, active. Nothing's on the tube. He's going to go have a bit of a run. Uh, gonna go throw some people out a window, <laughs> whatever strikes his fancy that day. Do, can uh, I just ask a question? Like, do presidential candidates have that much secret service? Like, this is a guy who hasn't even, like, there's still like four or five Democratic candidates to on Super yeah. Tuesday, right? He's not it. This isn't the, this isn't election day. Like, this, like, does every single Democratic candidate have like 80 secret service agents? Or is this just because there's a threat? And I, I don't know. Did Howard Dean have this? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, if, if I right now say I'm going to run for president, do I get this amount of people like following me for a run? Because, like, I get yeah. lonely when I run. Like, I want a guy to protect me. Well, and, and I understand having people. Like, it seems weird that Keith has his own dedicated guard. Mm. And how do you pick the one who can keep up pace with Keith? Yeah, exactly. Keith looks like he's in good shape. <laughs> how long is he going for? <laughs> yeah, like Keith, Keith, Keith needs to do a 10-mile run and say, oh, I can only run five. Like, no, you must only run five. I'm your secret. No, screw you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, when, when Palmer's getting out of the car, they're all trying to make him get back in, uh, especially Pierce there. And... Um, uh, the whole idea here, I guess, is because of the assassination attempt, maybe there is more, you know, security on him than there normally would be. Uh, Palmer is telling Keith that the, the story is going to break at the breakfast. He he wants him to be there. He wants him to tell his side of the story or whatever. That's basically the Palmer drama this week is <laughs> we're going to tell everybody about this. Uh, just, you know, say no comment, essentially. Uh, but Keith kind of loses it with uh, David here. Uh, by saying, you know, oh, this all happened because you weren't there. And this is where we get the whole David's a bad father because he had work one night. Like, <laughs> I get if you're going to make this a character who has nothing to do with his family. I don't buy that David Palmer is an absent father. Yeah. We've, we've gone through this, I think, last week or the week before. He had a work engagement in a different city one night. And they're like, oh, how could you not have been there when your daughter got raped? Didn't you see it in your calendar? Yeah. Where was your palm pilot telling you Nicole's raped today? And this this is, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think this is where it's starting to really kind of build up of the Palmer drama being such just a pointless plot line of this series. Because, like, also, like, we've got to believe, like, they sell this guy as the most important presidential candidate this country has had ever, basically. Yeah. He's going to be the first black president, like, I'm on board with Palmer. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, you know, make America great again with David Palmer. Like, you know, I'm, I'm on board. 
I'm like, I don't give a shit about Keith. Oh, boo hoo, you weren't here. Your dad's running for president. He could be the first <laughs> black president. This is a big deal. Shut up. And how, how old are the, the Palmer kids? Oh. Like, what, late teens, early 20s? Something like that. They're, 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 they're hit with the kid voters, Colin. We hear that a lot. They're yeah, boring I can't news wait to get there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but let's just assume when this happened, let's say they were 15, 16 years old. Do they need their dad there watching yeah. them when they're 15 or 16 years old? Like, do you want your dad there? I have a feeling that the Palmer kids at the time were like, dad, just go away. Come on. We want the house to ourselves. I don't like, okay. My, my vast knowledge of us presidents in my time on this earth. I, I remember in the nineties, like Chelsea Clinton, I thought like, oh, she's cute. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't even know who the president was at that point. Cool. The, the Bush twins were drunk, weren't they? Didn't they always getting arrested for like drunk driving? <laughs> um, the Obama girls, they were like, you know, cute. They were going through high school. Great. And then you've got the Trump 17,000 children. Like Ivanka <laughs> Trump, weirdly attractive, but I shouldn't be attracted to her because she's a Trump. But then like the other kids, right? Like do we ever have this, like did any, did Barack Obama get voted in because his two little kids were out there speaking at primary schools? No. Yeah. Um, did, oh, yeah, let's... Let's just group all the Palmer stuff in because I, that's one of the things I really want to talk about. Yeah. You're talking about the newscast, right? Oh, she's so <laughs> bored. She's the worst newscaster. I think we talked about it before. She's like, and in today, oh. the polls are about to open. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and, and they specifically say, word has it, the breakfast, his children will be there, who are going uh, <laughs> to uh, be big factors in luring in young voters. <laughs> like a lot of, what, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds out there, I'd be like, I wasn't going to vote in this election, but man, those kids, they listen to Green Day. They watch the tube. They go for runs. I can relate to them. I'm on board with their dad. You know, those kids in the parking lot, like, dude, this guy's running for president. Like, they weren't going <laughs> to yeah. vote for him until, wait a minute, we nearly bashed him up. No, we're not going to vote for him. But his kids. Yeah, let's He's vote for Palmer. Kids. The kids watch the tube. Come on, we watch the tube. They're like real people. They're like, like they're really real. They do things like we do. And see, this is where you, you know it's not the real world because most 18, 19 year olds out there, the, the Bush twins, you know, getting drunk all the time, they'll be like, oh, I'm voting for Bush. <laughs> he got the big alcoholic vote. He was an alcoholic. His kids were alcoholics. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why Bush was in, in line for eight years. That Al Gore, he just liked trees too much. <laughs> that Bush, he liked the bottle. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, this is the Palmer drama. Uh, of course, he he goes to talk to uh, Nicole as well, and he says the same thing. The story's coming out one way or the other. Uh, you're going to be there with me. If you have no comment, then just say no comment. Uh, you know, Keith's talking about, uh, you know, you know, I didn't do this on purpose. You do believe me, right? And he's like, if you say you didn't do it on purpose, I believe you, right? <laughs> Definitely does not believe him. Uh, and then we get Sherry, who get, oh. we get our first hints of Sherry Palmer, maybe best character in the first two seasons here, uh, as she's saying, why can't we blackmail Maureen Kingsley? They're our <laughs> old friend. You got to have some dirt on her from back in the day. You know? uh, but this is real. Like, this is why I don't think Sherry is a villain. Yeah. Let's face it. If this story comes out, Palmer's gone. I mean, this is the the primaries are more. I don't really follow U.S. politics that closely, but what I have followed, primaries are more deadly and more brutal than real elections. Mm. Uh, people within their own party do much more attacking each other than you do across party lines. Uh, I would argue that, uh, which I can't remember which one it was, but uh, there was one of the Democratic primaries. It might have been the one that McCain was in, uh, but 
to me, that felt like a dirtier election than Trump and Biden. That was, <laughs> and these are people on the same side. Yeah, uh, well, McCain was Republican, but you, if you're thinking of oh, 2008, no, no, well, if you're uh, 2008 John Kerry, was Obama versus Hillary Clinton, that got very like you know that one born. was dirty, and then the, the John Kerry one, that's what I'm thinking. All oh, right, 2004. Yeah, I remember that one too. But also, even like thinking of when Hillary was up against Bernie, and then kind of you know yeah. even Bernie versus Joe, like Bernie's got his factions and all that kind of stuff. But you're well, right, and but the thing that I really appreciate about this situation, I'm sounding very Kiwi there, um, <laughs> is that like this is what's so great about both of these characters, right? Like Palmer's the the noble politician, like, you know, he's not going to dirty. He's like, he's like, he's what we want politicians to be. Right. And then you've got Sherry who kind of is what politicians are and how you do mm-hmm. politics. And like, again, you're right. Like she's not a villain. She's not wrong. Like she literally says yeah. like, it has been buried David for eight years. Like this is something that's been completely yeah, you're not changing about. it. Yeah. Like nothing can change the past. You've got to think about your presidency here. And like, that's the positive I'll have for the Palmer drama is that you kind of tow these lines of, you know, this noble idealistic politician who's going to be, you know, great for the country versus what politics really is like. And it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like survivor when you've got a player who's like, I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go through this game and I'm going to be noble. And like what you used to get so much in survivor and you can never do that in survivor. You can't play a game without getting your yeah. hands dirty. So that's kind of what I like about it. And like, just Sherry, like, we're going to praise her so much. We already have. We're seven episodes in. This woman is incredible. Uh, We're Penny signing Johnson up for Gerald. her workout oh. tapes or whatever she's doing. <laughs> just, just this woman is incredible. Like she's up there with Kiba Sutherland as the number one greatest person in this show on all <laughs> levels. But like, I love this scene. Like the Palmer drama is nothing in this episode, but like just anytime Sherry comes in and gets all full Sherry and she's not even full Sherry yet. She's only like 86% Sherry at the moment. So are you more uh, accepting of the Palmer drama than you were coming into this? Because I feel like I'm still standing by my statement that the, the most interesting way to tell this story would have been to not introduce Palmer until the assassination attempt. Because nothing yeah. really matters, but I'm enjoying the Palmer drama more than I thought I would. Uh, I'm finding the acting much better from the kids. Keith especially. I remember thinking like, man, this this guy's the worst. I think it was just the character I was responding to that was the worst. Because I'm looking back now and uh, Salacious Shannon, as you call him, uh, really on his game in this episode. Like, even though I completely disagree with his character, I think that's the thing is I disagreed with his character so much. But his acting is top notch in the scene with he has with his dad here. And I love the camera work in that scene, kind of like a shaky handy cam, you know, close up on the face that adds to it. Look, I, 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 I'm still not, on, like, I, again, I get what you're saying about introduce Palmer in later on, but I still am on board the page of like, let's bring him in early. You know, it, it adds to it. It's kind of like what I was saying with Jack before, like having this sort of um, vulnerable Jack that we're not used to. I, I like watching this again, kind of getting this background on Palmer because yeah, okay moving forward none of this matters um it really doesn't matter moving forward but it, it does humanize palmer to a point that like later on with sherry when sherry comes back in season two and season three like if they had just kind of hinted at it or hinted at this like it's not going to be the same effect we lived through all of this in season one so we understand it um you know the only thing that I just still don't like is literally the fact that Keith and Nicole are, are just no longer mentioned. Basically they're forgotten about after this season. Mm. Keith has one scene in the first episode of season two. That's it. So that's kind of my point where it's like, uh, it's like if anybody listened to our nip 
nip tuck coverage and there's a character from season one who i promise will never mention her name again and i will not mention her name again here she's like a major character in season one and just literally disappears from that point on you never hear from her again there's no explanation like it's kind of like this with the palmer children um so yeah like it's it's interesting analyzing it more and kind of talking about it and but i think it's getting better like it was very crappy at the beginning but i think Mm -hmm. what really helps it is sherry and like she just like you could take the kids out of it and make this something to do with Sherry and it's still incredible. And I actually kind of, you don't even change the story. Just don't have the kids present. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, again, my defense is making him early. I think the, the basicness of this season is the assassination attempt of this presidential candidate. And yeah, it adds weight to the argument that he's going to be the first black American president. Great. But like, I mean, even if this was a, a woman or, or, or a white guy, like, you know, the, this it adds a humanizing element to the presidential character, which mm-hmm. I like. And you, again, I think we've mentioned this before, we don't really get this from the presidents moving forward in 24. Um, you know, you kind of do a bit with Logan, but even then it's not to this extent. Um, and obviously Wayne, come on. Um, you, you get it with What's-A-Face, the... the um, uh, Taylor uh, in sort of season seven, yeah. sort of, but you never get it to the extent of this. So long winded answer. I, you know, it's still not my favorite storyline of this season. It does get a bit much, but it, it makes you like Palmer and connect with Palmer more than you would. If all of a sudden he was brought in just at the breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different here uh, because I kind of want to talk about the stories as a whole. Let's do Terry and Kim stuff as its own thing here. So, end of the last episode terry got the voicemail from nina about uh or i can't remember if it was a voicemail or phone call about you know oh the, the body call. we found yeah where she gives classified information to yeah. jack's wife <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it, it, the, the body it was alan york <laughs> could you say oh. that name again alan york alan york <laughs> alan but who's this man that she's with because he's not alan york <laughs> Uh, he's Alan Fork. <laughs> but, An accountant from um, the Valley. <laughs> but she basically starts faking sickness to get him to pull off the road. Oh, can you pull over? I'm going to be sick. And uh, he he does. And she runs up uh, into the hills around a tree. That's when he checks. I'm guessing this is his voicemail because, uh, you know, uh, Gaines is in on it now that she knows that uh, he's not York, that he's actually Fork. And... <laughs> um, he goes after her. Now, this is going to be a discrepancy later on because he's got cell phone reception and then Terry's very much struggling to get a phone call out well, for half of this minute, episode. Well, he has a Nokia. She has an Ericsson. There's a big difference there. Oh, yeah. Well, we know those Nokias are powerful <laughs> machines, right? And she uh, was with AT&T while he was with <laughs> Rogers. Whatever else you have. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, Basically, when Alan Fork, uh, <laughs> his name's what is his name? Kevin something? Kevin Carroll. Kevin Carroll. Okay. When I like Alan Fork better. So, when Alan Fork is <laughs> uh, going up to go after it because he realizes, oh, she's trying to get away, she sneaks up on him, hits his head with a rock, knocks him out, ties Survive. him up with an extension cord. Yeah. He lives <laughs> through this. Yeah. She hits him pretty hard. Uh, ties him up with an extension cord, uh, which I'm guessing she got from the car. And uh, tries making phone calls for half of the episode. <laughs> Not at one point does she put the keys in the ignition and drive away. <laughs> well, the keys got thrown away. You did see that bit, right? Oh, then I missed that. He, like, he throws he the keys into, like, scrub. Uh, but, like, having said that, though, like, it doesn't look like there's much there. Like, I feel like she could have looked for them. 
Yeah, or I don't know, started walking? Like, yeah. do anything to get but away? She, when she tries to flag, there's one car she tries to flag down. She's literally up on the hill. And she's like, hey! <laughs> and it's like, you're like a kilometre away from the road. <laughs> How come they didn't see me? <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, Terry, come on. She eventually gets a phone call out uh, to Nina, um, where she says, You missed hey, the I've great been... doctor. Sorry, my favorite character on this the episode. great doctor? When she calls Jack, who picks up, and that random doctor picks oh, up yeah, the phone right. in the parking the guy, lot. I love that guy. Who is this? I just found this phone in the parking lot. Do you need me to call the police? No, that's okay. <laughs> How do you know you're going to get a second phone call? <laughs> call the police. Just hangs up on this poor guy, this humble doctor. <laughs> like, I need to find his page here on, on 24 Wiki. I'm sure he's got things. But like he's just like, hello, oh, I'm a nice doctor, man. I can call the police for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Um... <laughs> uh, Eventually, uh, though, Gaines' people said Sorry, his name is Phil. Phil. He's got a name? (laughs) Phil worked at St. Mark's Hospital. At around 6.40 a.m., he found Jack Bauer's abandoned cell phone. (gasps) Mr. Mark's parking garage and Terry tried to call. Upon hearing Terry panic, Phil offered to call the police, but Terry quickly told him not (laughs) to be playing up and calling. Oh, poor Phil. (laughs) He then racked up a lot of 1-900 charges on a private government cell phone. Played by Steve O'Connor. Uh, who has also <laughs> appeared in Without a Trace, Frasier, and Jag. <laughs> oh, and Jag. in the movie, Amy's Orgasm, coming soon to the <laughs> uh, But anyways, Gaines' people intercept this call. Or, well, we're gonna, there's going to be more on that in a couple of episodes. But uh, Terry thinks that CTU has just arrived to help her because that's what Nina said she was going to send. Uh, but instead, they throw her in the back of a car. So she's kidnapped again. And Alan Fork is free. Uh, now, this is all going to lead towards Kim's story because Kim is saying, let's get out of here. And he goes, have you seen this place, Rick? Have you seen this place? It's like a prison. Uh, people ba- break out of prisons. What is Rick? People break out of prison all the time. Do you really think they break out of prison? I'm going to break out of prison. You want to go? Sure. Let's go. Yes, <laughs> it's a- it is. I saw the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. five minutes. Well, yeah, she's like, people break out of prison all the time. Like, let's Shawshank this. We'll be out of here in 2021. They're- Kim's finally out. Morgan Freeman's waiting for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, eventually he's like, no, Gaines said he would pay me and let me go, which... Uh, he quizzes Gaines, and Gaines is so great in this episode. Oh, like, brilliant. Yeah. This this is my favorite Gaines, like when he gets testy with Jack, but it's the stuff he does here uh, with Rick that's the best, where Rick's like, so uh, you said you were going to pay me and let me go. I did say that. <laughs> if you don't want to pay me now, you can pay me some other time. That's very kind of you, Rick. I'll, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> He's so good. I even like the stuff with him, like just when um, fake shooter guy comes in the beginning, he's like, you better go, you're going to hit traffic. And then he kind of just like turns straight away to the camera and is like, so Jack, take the next next exit. Like, <laughs> yeah. like seriously, Gaines is fantastic. And then when he's like yelling at them, it's like, that's right, Jack, I'm watching you. Um, like, sort this out, Jack. Like, oh, he's so good. And like, again, yeah. we basically spoiled this at 24 is 24, right? This, he's not the big bad of this season, but... 
yeah, like when we eventually get later on in this show and we get to other seasons and we're talking about our favorite like villains and side villains, like Gaines is up there as one of the best sort of first act villains in this show's yeah. history. Like I feel he gets forgotten about, but Gaines is brilliant. I, I forget about him. Yeah, I, I I would never, if I were to mention my favorite 24 villains, I don't think his name would be in the conversation. Having rewatched this, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, if, if he's not going to be closer to the top by the time this series is over. Like he's fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, obviously this clues Rick in that they're not going to let him go. So he goes back to Kim. You're like, you're right. They're not letting me go. <laughs> well, fine. We got to escape. And he, this is, this was really funny to me. He's like, Oh, I don't know how we're going to escape. She's like, but we have to escape. All right, here's the plan. He starts drawing a diagram. <laughs> Did you come up with that in the last two seconds? Because you said you had no clue how to escape two seconds ago. <laughs> uh, and his little map. This is what you are here. Yeah. <laughs> The guard comes in, which they quick, quickly erase it. And Kim basically pulls Rick on top. I just wanted this guard to be like, hey, kids, come on. This ain't no furniture store. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Dan, with a giant penis? <laughs> but I, I like this. So this is Eli. Um, and he's in other. He's in Rat Race. Um, uh, You're talking about the other guard, right? Yeah, yeah. Who kind of becomes like yeah. a multi-arc villain here. But um, the guy who plays him is Silas Weir Mitchell. And he's in Rat Race, actually. As soon as I saw that, I remember his character in that. But I like... It's weird to say I like this character because you don't like this character. This guy's a prick. But, yeah. like, he plays him very well. Like, Silas Weir Mitchell plays this sort of creepy sort of, you know, in a minute where he's like, hey, maybe I'm going to go and get some uh, myself. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, Mr. Rapo, basically. He's got one of those faces. I don't know how to describe it, but easiest way I could say is he's got one of those faces where he looks approachable, but, like, the longer you're around him, you're like, this guy's into something really dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, he kind of starts off that way. Like, you know, what does he say? Like, we're going to go five minutes. And it's like, no, he's like, we're going to go. Give me five minutes. I'll give you four. Um, yeah. 15 minutes later, like, <laughs> the timing of that doesn't work. Eli doesn't know how to tell the time. Um, trying to see what else he's been in here. Uh, Grim. I never watched it. Um, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Everybody's been on Law and Order, right? I've My been name on is Law and Order Earl. Special Victims Unit. <laughs> Prison Break. Like, yeah, he's had a pretty decent career after 24. But yeah, he's he's got one of those faces where you're like, yeah, there's something wrong with this guy. But I like him too. He's no uh, Phil, so, but he's still pretty good. And he's no Alan York. Um, <laughs> no Janet York. <laughs> no Jan Nobody's a Janet York. No, our no hero. Yeah. But uh, the plan is basically for uh, Rick to distract this guy as Kim sneaks out. He knows the way out of here. He knows where security is weakest. I don't know how he does because they've been here for what an hour, two hours, and he spent the whole time digging a hole. Yep. But um, he distracts this guard and he, he has a conversation with the guard. He's like, "Hey, hey, how was she? Uh, she was all right." He's like, "Really? She looks really hot. I think I'll give her a go." He's like, "No, I. We got a job to do over there. There's stuff going on. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Don't want to make things upset. We're hard workers. Rape can wait." <laughs> <laughs> rape can wait. <laughs> That's how rapists work, isn't it? They're like, girl, I'm going to rape someone. No, we've got a job to do. You're right. But first, I got to sweep up. <laughs> <laughs> no one can rape with a dirty floor. These files need to get filed quickly, okay? Rape can wait. <laughs> Look how dirty those dishes are in the sink. I can rape you later. <laughs> You know, this toilet isn't going to scrub itself. Rape can wait. 
<laughs> rape can wait, the Eli story. I wanted to rape that day, but instead I thought I needed to clean. So I'm going to go do some stuff and I'll rape later. Rape can... That's like an advertising campaign. Hey kids, rape can wait. Are you thinking of raping someone? It can wait. Make sure you clean up your room first, kids. Uh, but of course, as soon as they do get out, uh, they see that Terry's being brought in. So Kim's got to go back. Uh, will Rick go back? We don't know. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kim and Terry's stories this week because I actually liked it, even though there's not much to it. Like, I really like their stories. I like how they, they sort of come together at the end just when you think Kim can get away. It's pretty implausible that Kim could even get away in the first place. But uh, the fact that it's like, oh, great, another thing, just at the right moment, now Terry's introduced here. I thought it was awesome. I remember watching this going like, holy crap, like, again, it was like sort of like a plot twist all of a sudden this is happening. But um, I do like Rick when he's like, yeah, like, we just go into this fence and there's a highway over there. I know where it is. Again, like, as you said, like, he's been here for like like three hours digging a hole. Like, Rick, jeez, yeah. this man, you know, he can he can do what he likes. Um, You did kind of gel over, or were you coming back to the bit where we find out Jamie's the mole, right? Like, you did gel over that pretty big story. Well, line. we're going to cover the Jack stuff in its own entirety. Okay, well... Yeah, all right. Um, I so we're gonna break some news on this uh, podcast now. I think I I tease the fact that I own these books. In the time of recording this, I have had my father send over some things in a care package, which includes now in my hands having twenty four, the official companion for seasons one and two. I've also got the ones for season three and four. So when we get to five and six, we're screwed. Um, so these are actually really good books. It's written by Tara Delulo based on the series created by Joel Cernow and Robert Cochran. And it's basically got sort of like a, a summary of each of the episodes and behind the scenes stuff. It's got like character profiles and everything. So uh, 6am to 7am, uh, the quote here that they use is, you've got a gun on me, Jack. I don't think it gets any worse, Nina Myers. Um, and I also love here, you've got a breakdown of time frame. And I love my favorite bit here. It's got 6.08am. Jack is told about the Alan York ID. Ira instructs Jack to swap the key cards. Ira calls Kevin, in brackets, the fake Alan to warn him uh i love that bit but the the big story it's got here basically the behind the scenes stuff it's talking about um terry hitting uh alan fork basically and leslie hope <laughs> says this is what she says honestly i thought it would be a show starring keeper sutherland and would have this cute teenage daughter if we got picked up i would show up once a week and say honey when are you coming home she laughs that's really what i thought the extent of it would be with maybe a few shots of me pacing in the kitchen or something so this was the first episode that Leslie Hope realized that, oh, this show is going to be different. She also said she enjoyed hitting um, <laughs> Richard yeah. Berkey in the head. <laughs> so she says, I adore Richard Berkey, but I couldn't wait to crack him on the back of the head with that rock. It's one of my best moments on the show. As fantastic as some of those situations on 24 were and are, the thing that I liked was that it stayed grounded in some kind of reality. So even though I moved into some action-oriented type scenarios, I didn't become a superhero. I couldn't all of a sudden throw a punch like nobody else's business or take on five guys in ninja outfits in a kung fu battle. I'd like to see that. Um, so, yeah. So there's your behind the scenes. Uh, thanks, uh, Tara DeLulo, for that great insight. And also, can we just hold up that picture of Kim and Rick? I like that picture of Kim. It's a nice picture of Kim. Just You're still holding it. <laughs> it's a nice picture of Kim. We'll just say that. Man, um, stop licking it. What's wrong with you? <laughs> shut up. I do. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I like the storyline and like Terry's not annoying this episode. Like you kind of feel yeah. for Terry here. And uh, even though like she bashes him 18 times over the head with a rock and he's fine. Um, but like, I like the desperation from Terry and 
it is kind of an interesting twist that basically Kim's about to escape just as Terry arrives. And I, I like that from Kim. Like, I like mm-hmm. Kim's, I can't leave my mum behind. Like, that it's, it's weird to say it's character development because in a way, like, this is seven hours. Like, in, in real time, this is seven hours since she's like, oh, mum. Like, doesn't even mm-hmm. say goodnight to her. And then she's gone from, you know, that to I love you, mum, and to which Terry's like, that's weird. She never says I love you, to... I'm going to stay back and help my mum. Like, I, I like that. It's kind of, she's gone through enough in seven hours that that's where she's going to with it. Um, I also weirdly like Rick. Like, I think we've talked a lot yeah. about Rick, how, you know. He's turning Rick, around. Literally. Um, but it's, you kind of feel for Rick because Rick kind of got into this and like, we were told to just hang out with you. And obviously Dan knew a lot more. He's seen Dan like get killed right in front of him, bury his bestie Dan with the big dick. And then now he just like wants to leave and, I, like, I don't know if we've really talked much up about the actor who plays Rick, who uh, I'm sure we all know off the top of our head, of course, is the <laughs> esteemed actor whom we all love by the name of Daniel Bess. Uh, good old Daniel, Daniel Bess. Daniel Bess. He, he does well in this episode. Like, I like that scene when he's kind of, you know, like, oh, so like, uh, you can pay me like whenever or whatever. Um, <laughs> and even like, I, I also like the way he kind of goes from that to, when Kim pulls him on top and he's like, come on, man, give me five minutes to, yeah, she was okay. Like, I like Rick trying to be evil Rick. Because yeah. Rick's kind of evil, but we're kind of on the Team Rick page now. We like Rick. So good on you, Daniel Bess, who went on to such shows as Hawaii Five-0 last, and Seal The Team Last and... Resort. Did you ever watch that? No, I did not. Oh, he's in Munich. He's decent. Uh, there you he go. played oh. American Athlete. He was in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> why is why is six degrees of Kevin Bacon a thing? It should be six degrees of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Everyone's in it. Again, seriously, ben I was in Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah. Uh, you were the perpetrator. <laughs> I, I played myself. Uh, so let's get into the meat of this story, the Jack story. Uh, Jack under the control of Gaines. Uh, Gaines wants him to switch the key card. Uh, another great Gaines moment here is where um, he's telling him, we need you to, uh, to switch the key card with the one we gave you. And Jack's like, are you doing this because we're getting too close? And he's like, just do it, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> no patience anymore for him. Um, and uh, Jack's big plan to do this is he calls Nina up and Nina's like, oh, Milo's almost, you know, uh, gotten uh, hacked this, this key card or whatever. Oh, great. Tell him to wait until I come down here. Why? Why are we waiting? Because I said so, Nina. (laughs) And then she goes uh, away, tells this to Milo. He goes down. Hey, Milo, I heard you're making some good progress on this. Yeah, Nina told me to wait for you. Why would you wait for me? (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I'll do it right now. (laughs) I love snarky like Jack. Like, I love that little, like, weird Jack acting like, you know, because I told you to, Nina. And, oh, why are you wasting so much time? Like, seriously, in all seriousness, just jump in here quickly. Keep sidling, just the range he can do. Like, he can go from, like, that yeah. to, like, do what you told Nina to, don't kill my wife. Like, he's so good. He just yells everything. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. So range. And by the way, as we uh, found out, Kiefer Sutherland has a twin sister. Who's <laughs> <laughs> really just Just Kiefer Sutherland with a wig on. Like, seriously, <laughs> put a wig on it. Literally do it, do. But that's not, I'm not saying Ben's it's a bad dude. thing. I'm attracted enough to Kiefer Sutherland now that there's a female version on there. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like what if pierce brosnan had an identical oh, twin sister don't. <laughs> don't even tempt me 
<laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, so Jack with his bad acting, bad fumbling. Oh, sorry, I dropped your pins there, Milo. <laughs> Switches the key card. Milo suddenly is like, wait, wait, something's not right here. Jamie comes and cracks it in like a few seconds. And I love Miles, Milo's humbleness there, too. He's like, huh. Well, you were right. <laughs> Good job, Jamie. Okay, leave me alone now. Like, I love these CTU relationships of like the office staff where the coworkers are just constantly butting heads. They're gonna, and, it's know, gonna be at, it's the one, one of the few things that season three really gets right uh, well, is the Adam. And Kim I, was, one, but. I was about to say, right, like when we get to Chloe and how much, like, I think you were the same as me. Like, I could not stand Chloe yeah. at the beginning and she brings in the snarky, teenager like oh i'll do the tone like with the whole baby scenario and adam like yeah. like i'm with you but like there's something so cheesily bad about season three ctu that it actually holds up <laughs> yeah. like i like i hate it but i love it <laughs> uh now of course jack's trying to get a signal to nina too because uh uh, she's starting to get suspicious of what's going on here. So he's trying to write a note and even Gaines like, put the pen down, shred it, Jack. And Jack looks up and realizes he's gotten into their camera somehow. I wonder how he got into the cameras. Almost like somebody in CTU was helping. Uh, wonder who that could be. Um, so is, Milo is getting dangerously close to uh, decoding this thing and then realizes there's something wrong. It jumped from 20% to 99%. Uh, this is 2001. Nothing jumps from 20 to 99. <laughs> That's basically his dead giveaway there. Um, and uh, Jack's going to kidnap Nina because that's the only, the only way he can get away uh, without Nina figuring this all out. But is Nina up to something else? Who knows? Uh, now, I really love the way this episode films. So I think this was where the biggest surprise came from because you're, we talked about this in past episodes. You're used to a formula. I mentioned with Survivor, a very similar thing. You're used to a formula with TV and you expect every show to at least to a certain extent follow that formula. But what we're going to see happen with Nina later on, there's no way you see it coming because they, they, they filmed it in just the right way where you just see her put this on and follow me. And he's got the gun to her back, but you don't realize he's put the bulletproof vest on her here. Uh, now it looks so suspicious as he's leading around there, but I actually expected Tony to get. Tony is a little out of character here, and that he should be like right and say, "Hands up, my woman, Jack. That's my woman now. When we're here, you're my boss. When we're out of here, we're something else." <laughs> Jack, if you want to play with this, join us in the bedroom, and you can be my second in command. <laughs> Nina, I thought I was the only one allowed to hold you at gunpoint. That's our game. <laughs> Jack's a thing of the past. Strokes his flavor saver. I'm Tony. <laughs> Bring in Cubby. <laughs> um, but uh, he sneaks Nina out of there uh, at gunpoint. They're driving off. He says he's going to explain everything, and he explains nothing to her. Uh, he drives her to a cliff, uh, and he's going to shoot her uh, off the cliff. Now, Big twist to come with that later. While it's happening, Tony is uh, on to something where he's asking Jamie to check if there's any type of briefing that him and Nina were supposed to go to. She says, no, there's nothing, but that doesn't mean anything. Now, give me your impression here because I feel like this is meant to start getting the suspicion off of Tony. But even on a rewatch of this, I rewatch it. I'm like, is Tony just trying to cover his tracks here? Does he think Jack's up to something and he's still a mole? Uh, I feel like it actually plays both ways, but I, I even the first time I watched this, I was not off suspicion of Tony. I don't even think season two had st uh, started, and I wasn't done being suspicious of Tony yet. 
What about season seven? Did you think he was evil then? Uh, finally clicked. Oh no, no, <laughs> perfect gentleman. <laughs> um, I like. I honestly cannot remember. And like, this is weird because I get like this is kind of very obvious in your face. Like Tony's the bad guy, but like, I don't think I ever thought that Tony was bad. Weirdly enough, like I don't know. really. Like, maybe I did. I just can't remember. I was fourteen and dumb. But um, it's actually funny. Like I never thought. I never guessed Jamie was bad. So kind of when that yeah. scene comes in this episode, I remember watching going, oh. Well, um, there's my second question. Um, just sort of group it in together. Because the the twist of is Jamie the mole isn't even so clearly stated in this. You, you read between the lines and you're like, well, that's who Terry was talking to and somebody else showed up. And we're going to find out later on, you know, uh, not really a spoiler at this point, that Jamie's gains is uh, inside man or inside woman. But this episode doesn't even clearly state that. So I think, I can't tell you 100%, but I feel like when I watched this the first time, even though they were starting to make it clear, Jamie's the one you should be suspicious of, I still had my eyes on Tony instead. See, I, 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 to me, I think it's pretty clear. Like when you when you cut to these guys, you know, kidnapping Terry and then you cut to Jamie crossing that out and throwing it out quickly. To me, I'm like, oh, she's mm-hmm. evil. Like, boom, like that straight away. I'm like, that's it. Don't need to tell me anymore. Um, but the, the couple of things, like, I, like this storyline's great. I love Jack. I love Jack being sort of held hostage. I love Gaines controlling him. The few things, though, that I think kind of um, don't really hold up is Jamie's cameras are kind of obvious when you see them. <laughs> like, I mean, mm-hmm. clearly no one else in CTU could tell, but they're, like, basically hanging off the main cameras as a separate <laughs> camera. Like, might as well have the big words, Acme cameras on them, basically. <laughs> um, but also, like, it's some of these, like, camera bits. So, like, I love the bit when Gaines is, like, watching Jack, like, kidnap Nina and, like, pinning her against the wall. Like, this is the bedroom. But is is <laughs> Gaines being like a director, because that camera zooms in on Nina and Jack at the same time. That's not even the, the biggest what-if moment about the cameras. When Jack shoots Nina, you literally see on Gaines' screen a camera pan down to zooming in on Nina's body, and there's nobody there except Jack. <laughs> the guys haven't in the car. Like, it well, been- the car's behind him, yeah. Yeah, the, what they need in that sequence is they need a guy to be like cut to the guy next to Jack holding like a camera. That would make sense. But, like, the, there's two cars pull up after you've seen on Gaines' screen zooming in on Nina's body. Does, does he have a camera it's, in Jack's head? Like, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, you, it's the only live twice thing. Yeah. About the, the floating cameras out in space that capture all the action. That, that, like, that really took it away from me for in that one. But, like, the one thing I'll say, though, like, Jack, like, we've talked about the little subtle moments, like, when um, Alan Fork got pulled over by the cops and there was a clear reason why, like, he didn't want to be identified. There's like this moment here from Jack when he pulls up and he puts his hand on his ear straight away. Like, what do you want me to do? Then he looks in the camera and then he's like, who are you talking to? Like Jack Mm -hmm. is clearly so freaking smart here that he's put the bulletproof vest on and he's going out of his way to make her know that he is being controlled. And like Gaines at that point doesn't care because like clearly he's about to tell her to kill Nina. So like Gaines isn't going to be suspicious of it. So just subtle little things that just make Jack so very smart. Um, and just the way, like, Jack does everything in this episode. I mean, this is, like, an underrated Jack episode, I feel, that you really appreciate when you know the story. You know everything here. You can pay so much more attention to Jack doing it. If you're watching this for the first time, you're not going to obviously pick up on these things because they're going to be shocks for you. But when you go back and re-watch this, like, it's just... I, I just really appreciate it. I also love Jack in his office when he's, like, calling up these different places. I love it when he, like, puts his hand on the photo frame. There's, like, Leslie Hope's um, headshot basically yeah and he's like stroking it (laughs) yeah but i I love jack on the phone to like 
Uh, since Jack Black's due to you, I want to be put on Palmer's details. Oh, no, we've closed the thing. Then unclose it. Yeah. Oh, we can't do that. Yes, you can. Oh, okay. You can be on this detail. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, corner vision. Tell them that things are moving forward. This is the same division that only, what, three, four hours ago basically locked down CTU because Jack yeah, went wrong. because of Jack. <laughs> so he's going to ring up, hi, division, it's Jack. Oh, hi, Jack, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, not locking us down anytime soon, I hope. <laughs> Lol. Oh, just ignore that, Jack. How are the kids? Not kidnapped anymore, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> the Palmer investigation going, great. Can I go and watch Palmer's do his speech? Of course you can, Jack. Lol. Say hi to the wife I and really kids. Love- They're not I really love those- of course they're not. Goodbye. So I really love those Palmer kids. I just have to be on the detail. <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's some they, Palmer they drama going boats. on. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love random interaction between people. It's not funny until you're doing an episode like this. Like, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> no one in their right minds watching 24. Phil's my favorite character. Jack has a conversation with District. Um, but even actually, it's, it's it is kind of funny. Like when Jack like comes down and Tony sort of looks over. Where are you going? Nowhere, just out. Okay, bye. And you got Milo like looking up from his computer, going, "Oh, Jack distracted me. I told on him." <laughs> but actually, the funny it one too is, is like when Jack comes back to the office, and the way like everybody looks up from their desk when Jack walks in the building, and Nina's like, "Where have you been? I've been trying to call you. My cell phone battery died. Bye." Yeah. <laughs> No, I left it in the parking lot of a hospital. Yeah. Like the cell phone is still there. Yeah. This, exactly. this cop's not picking up the calls afterwards or yep. another cop, the doctor. No, Phil kept that. That was a brand new phone. That was a yeah. government issue phone. You think Hillary Clinton got into trouble for her email? Went to Jack Bauer gets caught for his government issued cell phone falling in the hands of Phil. Actually, they should have made Phil a bad guy in like season six. Remember Phil? He's- <laughs> yeah, like you, you bring Tony back in season seven and Phil's his right-hand man. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't for Phil, we wouldn't have had all those government secrets on Jack's government-issued <laughs> Nokia 3310 <laughs> with polyphonic um, ringtones. <laughs> you know what I really question? Like, Tony's very protective over Nina, especially with Jack. Why is his comment not, hey, Jack, why is your hand up my girlfriend's <laughs> chest? Like, <laughs> he's got his hand right up her shirt. <laughs> And when, like, she walks out of the building, it's so obvious. And Tony's only reaction is like, I'm going to look at some security footage. But actually, can we also point out, Tony, it's not just Nina. Tony likes pulling rank because he goes up to Jamie. It's like, Jamie, can you pull up this thing? No, I can't do that. Well, with Jack and Nina gone, I'm in control. So I'm pulling rank on you, Jamie. I'm not authorized. She goes, well, I'm authorizing it. I have rank. (laughs) (laughs) Tony gets off on having rank. He he goes to McDonald's, basically. It's like, <laughs> oh, I want an extra pickle on my cheeseburger. We can't do that. I'm a government agent. I have rank. Put an extra pickle on that cheeseburger. He goes to those Cubs games. I want one of those commemorative mugs. I've got rank. Give it to me. <laughs> we ever get Carlos Bernard on the show. I want him to, like, take over. I'm hosting this show now. I have rank. I got rank. <laughs> The odd network, and I'm beating it. And a flavor saver. Beat that. <laughs> Me having a flavor saver adds an extra layer of rank. <laughs> That's the insignia. That's the insignia of rank. A flavor saver. <laughs> See this flavor saver? It has rank. <laughs> It's like how a general has the little stars or the badges on their uniform. It's about how many patches you got 
on your chin. <laughs> You've got three patches on your chin. You're like a, an admiral of rank. I'm an admiral. <laughs> I've got rank. So so we, we know that the hierarchy goes frosted tips, then soul patch, because <laughs> Kiefer's got rank. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when Jack Bauer's got a beard in like season five, he's like the president. <laughs> That's why Palmer's not president yet. He's got no facial hair. <laughs> this is the longest rank of my life. <laughs> uh, did Keith have a goatee? Or not Keith, uh, Wayne? I thought you were about to say, did Nicole have a goatee? Um, <laughs> I think Wayne does have facial hair at some point. I, I, I'm picturing him. Yeah. I feel like he had it at some point. That's how he got his rank. That's why Osama bin Laden did what he did. Bloody hell. <laughs> that guy well, we keep asking, facial like, hair. How does Wayne Palmer become president? It's like, well, he became president. He's like, look, it's Palmer, but with the beard. <laughs> <laughs> My fellow Americans, I'm pulling rank. <laughs> Tony's sitting at home, not dead, of course, watching. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> well, we 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 have all these cliffhangers this season. A lot of which were kind of letdowns. The Alan York one last week was great. The cliffhanger this episode is fantastic because yeah. you have you have two cliffhangers at the same time. You have Tony looking at the footage and seeing why did you put you know the flak jacket on her, and then you have Nina waking up. I mean, like, I'm alive and just walking off. Like, it's it's a double cliffhanger. And it's so exactly good. That's exactly how went, by the way. Nina literally goes, I'm, I'm alive! alive. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> if only I had facial hair. Uh. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's a great cliffhanger. I think that this and the Alan York one back-to-back, like, we finally got the decent cliffhangers on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, I mean, I feel from this point on, we just get, like, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I want to say, like, 80 to 90 percent of cliffhangers from this point on are fantastic and like he sort of really mm-hmm. picks his show up but like i just just i mean all jokes aside about carlos bernard it's a great scene when he's like looking at the thing it's like why did you put a yeah. vest on it because like that and like as you were saying before first time you watch this like you're like what the hell like you, you think nina's dead you're like fuck like and mm-hmm. part of me kind of wishes she was in a way because that would have been a great shot but also part of me doesn't because of what happens in this season but like it's it still adds to the twist whereas like if you, I feel like you need Tony here watching the footage saying, why did you put a vest on? Because, like, if you just cut to Nina laying on the ground and she wakes up and goes, oh, lol, bulletproof vest, <laughs> like, you, you would, it wouldn't have the same effect. I feel this has got a yeah. better effect by Tony, like, doing these little squinty eyes. I'm pulling rank on this footage and he's, she's wearing a vest. What's going on? <laughs> like, he's kind of the voice of the audience there, which works. And then, yeah, like, yeah. the way that Nina kind of gets up and, like, she she's lost a shoe and she's kind of like, oh, I'm alive. And she just stumbles off. Um, yeah, no, it works. I, I feel like we should time how long it takes her to get to CTU in the next episode because um, <laughs> how long did it take Jack to get to this mountain resort area? Because, again, Los Angeles is very small. Um, I'm actually curious about the next couple episodes because my memories of 24 is – I have a lot of memories of everything that we've seen up until now, the Alan York stuff, you know, the the Palmer drama. Uh, and I remember the big thing with the, the fake shot shooting of Nina – and then, the, honestly, I remember nothing else until we get to the assassination attempt. I know what happens. So I know the memory of what happens that leads to that part of the story is there. But I don't remember the other episodes. Uh, as far as uh, I remember, the Jamie, the big Jamie climax is going to happen after the assassination or around the same time. So next couple episodes are a bit of a blur to me. Um, next episode is, I, like, I, I was going to forward watch it. But, I mean, actually having this book seriously helps because you can kind of read ahead and it all clicks. The next episode is kind of... 
it's a good one. It's the whole assassination sort of breakfast and everything along those lines. Um, so th- there's a lot going on. I think you'll remember the cliffhanger next week because um, okay. it's very tense. Like it's like you think something's going to happen and then it kind of gets held off at the last moment. So great acting next week. Like I'm not going to be complaining about um, Terry and Kim in next week's episode with the acting particularly. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think... The thing with these episodes, I feel once you start watching, you're gonna go, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They're like they're really, really yeah, good. Yeah, starts so, flooding back. Yeah, random, random thing. Actually, just quickly on the topic of this episode, uh, just a fun little trivia fact here. According to Twenty Four Wiki, this is the first ever episode of Twenty Four in which no characters die. Ah, well, because I was gonna go. say Jack doesn't kill anybody for sure, right? Yeah, I don't think. I think didn't we work out when Jack killed them in the parking lot? He, he goes like ten episodes without killing them. It's a while till we actually see Jack kill mm. someone again. But that's a cool little fact. This is the first episode in which no characters die. Uh, do we have any other segments? I forget because it's been a while since uh, we we buy rental bin and but buy, well, we I know that one. Rank the episodes, don't we? All uh, right, so let's we do a Jack okay, death give... count, but he didn't kill anyone, so. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, I'm buying this one. Me too. I think uh, we're both buying it. Yep. Uh, as far as rankings go, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, would this be number one? Uh, I had the previous two episodes were actually my top two. Uh, so this is three episodes in a row where I have a new number one because I'm putting this one number one. I think this episode, it's, it's amazing. There's a couple of questionable things in there, but they're questionable things that you can get a little bit of a laugh out of. You know, it's a little bit implausible. But uh, there's so much going on in this episode. Like, it, it, this feels like you could have split this up into two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, this is my number one as well. And I'm the same as you. I think my last three episodes have all gone to number one, um, which I, I mean, we're going to have a trend, right? Like, um, yeah. but I, this episode went super quickly. Um, I mean, outside of the the camera sort of zooming in on things, like, I don't really think I had much to nitpick about this episode. Um, so yeah, no, this is a great episode. I really enjoyed it, but it, it is true what you said at the beginning. We're going to forget, like, we're going to get to like 10 more episodes into this and go, oh, we still have 6am to 7am at number one. What happened then? But now that I have the official companion seasons one and two by Tara DeLulo, uh, buy it now from your local retailer. Um, I wonder if you could pick this up from a local store. They probably don't even know. Is it. Does it have a price on here? Canadian twenty two ninety five when it was brand new. So there you go. Oh, only sixteen ninety five I mean, in the US and fourteen pounds ninety nine in the UK. So pick it up. Why are they gouging us here in Canada? Because they hate Canadians. They do. And Kiefer's Canadian. And Leslie Hope I was gonna call her Leslie Mann. And Leslie Hope is Canadian. And Alicia Cuthbert's Canadian. Like, come on. There's, we there's, gave you so much for twenty four. Give back. You know how we talk about like the Chris's and we rank the Hollywood Chris's? Can we rank the Hollywood Leslie's? We have Leslie Hope, Leslie <laughs> Mann, and Leslie Bibb. Don't forget Leslie Bibb. We brought her up in a recent episode we just recorded. So Yeah. Um and Leslie also, Nielsen? I was about to say, I forgot his name, but there he is. Um I'd put Leslie Bibb at number one. Uh, Leslie Mann <laughs> <What>? at number two, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen at number three, and Leslie Hope at number four. <laughs> I, I was going to go very different. I was going to go Leslie Nielsen number one, <laughs> Leslie Mann number two, Leslie Hope number three, and Leslie Bibb number four. Oh, but you never watched the TV show Popular, then you'd put Leslie Bibb at number one. I didn't, yeah. Uh, I she's was married to Sam Rockwell. Come on. Oh, then maybe she's higher than Leslie Hope. Yeah. Sam Rockwell's higher. Yeah, well, I mean, if you get to hang out with Leslie Bibb, you get to hang out with Sam Rockwell. So there you go. <laughs> uh, you can hang out with us next week because we're going to be back segue, to talk Colin. about... <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on those. <laughs> 
Uh, we're gonna be calling Segway. <laughs> we're gonna have more 24 official companion trivia for you, and we're gonna find out what happened to good old Phil. Uh, <laughs> what's the fallout from Phil finding the cell phone? So much stuff to come. <laughs> Stay tuned all the way to the end to listen to all of our tags. Uh, find out where you can follow us and everything. Uh, I'm plugging our follows now. I'm plugging our segment where we tell people to follow us. That's how much we want people to follow us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Colin, and I'm instrumental in bringing in the younger listeners. And my name is Ben, and remember, kids, rape can wait. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)